Before we get started, we would like to ask a favor. Please leave a five-star review and a like on whatever platform you're using to listen to Planet Fear. It's a small thing that helps us so much. Also, don't forget to follow or subscribe because we release a new episode of Planet Fear every week. Warning. Some of the subjects we discuss may be too intense or graphic for some audiences. The world is a fearful place. We are surrounded by people and things that would do us harm. Some walk among us every day, while others lurk in the shadows, a threat unknown. Join us as we discuss all of the things that frighten us most, from the paranormal and unknown, to the true and horrific crimes committed by our very own kind, with Matt Knapp and Lauren Smith on, on Planet, Planet Fear. Fear. So last episode, we talked about Jean Leroy Hart. He was the main suspect in the Girl Scout murders. And he was arrested, went to trial, was acquitted. And while serving time for other crimes non-related to this case, he died of a heart attack. This is the man who eluded over 40 FBI agents every agent on the OSBI team, National Guard, Highway Patrol, over 600 searchers, wonder dogs, bloodhounds, and heat-seeking aircraft. This was the largest manhunt in the South, and we've hosted quite a few of those down here. But in all of that, there was a lot weirder stuff going on that we didn't touch on. Well, what amazed me is... He eluded all of those law enforcement officers, volunteers, everything, for almost a year. And then whenever you really think about it, whenever he finally was apprehended, it wasn't because they caught him. Mm -hmm. It was because they found where he was at. Yeah. Somebody gave him up. Yeah. The reason that the weird aspect of this is... So important is just because of how weird it is. A lot of documentaries did not include all of this information. Uh, the one I found was from 1993. In this part of Oklahoma, we've discussed this before, in this part of Oklahoma, this part of the United States, Native American heritage is prevalent, mm -hmm. right? To start out, the wonder dogs that were brought in, they were doing their summit head quarter meeting right don't even know what they call that and someone had mentioned um a medicine man has cursed the wonder dogs and everybody kind of laughed about it except for one person yeah <laughs> <laughs> so this person some of our bigfoot listeners may know him harvey pratt harvey pratt harvey pratt uh Part of the duo of Harvey Pratt and David Pilates. Of missing 411 fame. Yes. So Harvey Pratt, he was an OSBI agent. And he was in this meeting. And, you know, everybody's laughing about this medicine man cursing these dogs. And, you know, he just kind of like looked at him, kind of chuckled. He uh, excused himself after that and went outside. And he started... Uh, doing a cleansing it was like a purity cleansing uh, mm -hmm. ritual on himself he had some cedar wood and some tobacco and 
um, or some cigarettes, and he broke the filters off and started doing a cleansing because he knew just how serious that accusation from that medicine man was. This was not the first incidence of something going on in this investigation that wasn't normal, I guess. Yeah. They had found a cave before this. And in this cave, and it was in the same valley as the camp, this cave had uh, different things in it. It had the prescription glasses and the photos. We talked about that. But in front of the cave, there were four burnt spots. And they had um, cigarette butts around them that were broken off, not burned. And there were little pieces of cedar wood that had been burned, cedar branches. Now, to anyone else, that just looks like a weird place that you had four fires. But to Harvey Pratt, immediately he saw the significance in a Native American view. The number four is very significant to them. Four seasons, four colors. Four directions. Right. So this is very significant. And he could see that whoever was staying there was practicing, you know, Native American medicine. medicine. So that paired with the allegation that a medicine man had cursed the dogs. So Harvey Pratt, you know, excuses himself. He goes out by a stream um, away from the command post and he starts doing a cleansing ritual on himself. While he's doing that, two other agents come out there with him and they said, you know, excuse me, do you mind if we join you? And he just kind of looked at him like, yeah, sure, the more the merrier, you know, and and he cleansed them as well. Um, So he's taking it pretty seriously while also doing the investigative side of it, which I'm guessing back then this was not widely accepted. No, I mean, it still isn't today. Yeah. Having an uncle who was the district judge in Tahlequah for a long time and the Tahlequah district attorney, the Tahlequah is the capital of the Cherokee Nation. Huge Native American community. Mm -hmm. And I am here to tell you, without a shadow of a doubt, that law enforcement in certain areas of Oklahoma will consult with Native Americans Mm -hmm. on spiritual matters. They'll consult with medicine men, and they take that stuff very seriously. However... It will not hit the media. Mm -hmm. They won't talk about it Mm -hmm. in any sort of public way. It's just kind of an unspoken thing. But I know for a fact that my uncle uh, has consulted people to solve cases that were solved using Native American medicine. I, I just think that's fascinating. I mean, to me, that's good police work using all of the tools in your toolbox. Right. Right. Like, if you go into a Hispanic neighborhood, you need to know how their culture works. You know, same thing for a Native American, predominantly Native American area. So, you know, the Girl Scout camp, where it was located, it it wasn't always theirs. The Native Americans actually called that a sacred ground. It was a place of power for them. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's these Girl Scouts camped on this land. You know, that's where they built their camp. Okay, you have Mr. Harvey Pratt. He has already pegged this as there's some Native American medicine, you know. There are things at work. There are shenanigans happening. 
So he goes out, he cleanses all of that. And, you know, his brother, he and his brother were both there. They were both undercover. His brother is a police officer as well and also a practicing Native American. You know what was really interesting? As we came across this information about Harvey's involvement, Mm -hmm. it kind of escalated. You know, at first it was just he was mentioned as one of the arresting officers. Mm -hmm. And I contacted you and I was like, oh, my God, you won't believe this. And I didn't. That <laughs> shocked the ever-loving out of me. And, and then you hear, you know, oh, well, he was pretty involved in the case, mm-hmm. not just as an arresting officer. Uh, he went undercover to infiltrate the local Native American community for mm-hmm. information. Mm-hmm. But then, whenever you learn more about it, it kind of seems like they pulled him into this because... of the spiritual aspect and the stuff going on exactly it's kind of and they may have they may have not but what happens is you know they had um found evidence of a native american ritual at the cave they had um, an allegation of a medicine man cursing the dogs Mm -hmm. and so harvey pratt comes in and basically fights fire with fire native american style so we go back and he, you know, he had done all this. He and his brother are there. And what ends up happening? Dogs start dying for strange reasons. One of them just randomly ran out in front of a car. One of them got sick. I mean, it's just strange mm-hmm. that this happened. I mean, these dogs were glorified by their handler that they had solved all these cases and they died. So at that point, I'm sure Harvey was taken a little bit more seriously. He went to a medicine man and had some medicine of his own done. So he and his brother, you know, they're undercover in this community. And so they go to a medicine man and have this medicine man work the medicine on their, on his bullets. So Harvey Pratt said he had the medicine put into his bullets. Mm -hmm. And so he would basically that the bullets would be accurate and, and track the guilty party of this crime and also help him hide Um, He just had to have the bullets on him. Yeah. They weren't necessarily for him to, like, shoot heart with or anything. Yeah. So basically put the medicine in and all of that. And and to help him, the concept was to help him never lose this man, to keep his aim true, always finding this man. And the brother had the same. So this was a duplicate between the two. And whenever they were tracking, basically what he would put the bullet in the track of Gene Leroy Hart or whoever at the camp, and then that would help him to track this you know, person. In the last episode, we talked a lot about how the officials of the investigation would come out and make these claims mm-hmm. that they had all this solid evidence against Hart being the culprit, mm-hmm. but they never presented any of it. In hindsight, I wonder how much of that evidence was coming from Harvey Pratt. Maybe so. And the Native American. And they couldn't say it. Right. Yeah. I wonder how many times Harvey Pratt solved a case and got none of the credit because of this. Probably Pro- just this one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> none, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, basically, Harvey Pratt is fighting fire with fire. So the medicine man, in, in one part, they explain that somebody goes to the medicine man and they give him a request. The medicine man uses this certain tobacco, and it's called Old One or Ancient One. 
And basically this tobacco comes from the old one or ancient one, old tobacco in an ancient forest, and it's the power of life or death. The medicine man puts the medicine in this to help this person with their mission, and the person basically releases the power whenever they smoke it. Mm -hmm. And you can't smoke it with a regular cigarette. Like you have to break off the butt and smoke it because you have to get rid of civilization and smoke it into your body and then release it with the cedar wood and blah, blah, blah. So Harvey Pratt goes and basically gets his own medicine to counteract this because he knows this is what has happened. So, I mean, it gets like very... I haven't come across any other documentaries that covered this except for this one. I, I, I feel like I need to say this. Whenever we're using the term medicine a lot, yeah, which is the correct term, yes, but not to be confused, medicine refers to a number of things. It's not pharmaceutical. <laughs> it's not. It, Harvey wasn't getting cough medicine. <laughs> you know, this was a a spiritual battle. Yes, this is a blessing of sorts. Right, would be maybe something that you know it's um yeah a spiritual like a blessing or an energy that is put into this right. with this mission some juju yeah um so harvey's fighting medicine with medicine native american way and the reason he's doing this the things already happened with the dogs right before that they had found the cave they were using the dogs to track and there had already been reports of gene Leroy hart when he was um was in jail and escaped twice and was not caught. He was laughing at his jailers whenever he was in prison. He was laughing at his jailers because he had eluded them. And he said above and below. Mm -hmm. And so basically he had given this idea and Harvey Pratt had this idea that he was a shapeshifter mm -hmm. or skinwalker. Yeah. We're going to go with shapeshifter just because it, <laughs> it freaks me out less. So one of the instances that gave credence to that theory was that the tracking dogs would go after besides the fact that the jailers couldn't find him the tracking dogs would be tracking him they tracked him into the middle of a field all of a sudden the scent stopped there was nothing there he just disappeared it's like he just took off into the air and just disappeared in the middle of the trail you know so harvey pratt is battling that idea and as we know with other paranormal things, the more you think about them, the more power you give them. And so he and his brother were looking for this guy, and they actually spent a lot of time up there in those woods and in those hills. He and his brother had camped out one night, and he even explains, you know, about the spirits and giving power to them and stuff. They're camped out, um, sitting around a small, small fire. It was more for comfort than warmth. Um it was just pitch black night and they just were sitting across the fire talking to each other when all of a sudden a cat appeared out of nowhere and pounced into Harvey's chest and landed in his lap. It then hollered, he said, and took off. And granted, in their minds, they had already been discussing, you know, this guy being a shapeshifter. They felt him around. You know, they knew he wasn't gone out of that valley. Did Harvey mention anything about changing his pants afterwards? <laughs> I know, right? Would that not... I know. I mean, I'm packing up. I'm going home. He said that he and his brother, it shook them and they did not sleep the rest of the night. I don't like this story anymore. I, I'm not... Because all this stuff is... Yeah. 
in the last episode we started out talking about how like this was my childhood stomping grounds yeah well and i had no idea like there's a potential shapeshifter yeah running about i mean all the all the things you know they mention numerous times about different people thought they would see somebody in the woods yes. and then the person would disappear and yes that was a, that was mentioned a lot. Even that one weird thing about the Mel effigy hanging in the tree that I can only find mentioned one time. Yeah. Like that could be related to all of this side of things. It's got chills. Yeah. So, you know, we had discussed, I'm not sure if we discussed it on the, on part one, but we had discussed that to be a shapeshifter or anything like that, usually there is a dark medicine man. And usually there is a ritual of some kind. And so it was theorized that maybe the murder of the three young Girl Scouts was a ritual of sorts to support, to give the power needed for this ability. So here's the deal. Why do you know the deal? Why are you a font of dark knowledge? (laughs) Whenever it comes to Native American spirituality, I... I just experienced a lot. I've had grew up with a lot of friends involved in the culture. So that's what comes to mind whenever I think about this story. Hart, I don't believe maybe he was a shapeshifter, but I think if there's such thing as an official skinwalker, I don't think Hart was quite there. Mm -hmm. I think he wanted to be. I think he started rumors that he was. Mm -hmm. And I think he was in good with someone who was i think he was very close to somebody that was possibly a skinwalker somehow that's not any less terrifying i I think these killings might have very well been uh part of that journey of his that he was on again that doesn't make it any less terrifying no no not at all not at all (laughs) oh Um, my gosh you know so there were other weird things that were mentioned besides all of all of the medicine man stuff, which we're not even done yet. But before the murders even happened, and this isn't related to Native American anything, they were at the Tulsa Girl Scout headquarters packing up the girls on the bus. And Doris, one of the murder victims, her five-year-old little sister, Kathy, turned to her mom and said, Mama, what happens when people die? Now, the mom just thought that she wanted attention because Mm -hmm. Doris was getting all the attention going away. And so she explained, you know, life and death and how whenever somebody dies, others are born and they just, you know, it's there's a whole cycle and all of that. She explained that and she said, well, what happens if everybody dies? And the mom again said, well, there, you know, more people are born, all of that. And she said, well, everybody's going to die tomorrow. She tells her mom this. What'd you say, you creepy little kid? Yeah. The next day, all three Girl Scouts are dead. So right out of the gate, we've it's just hey, weird. If stuff. you're delivering prophecy, <laughs> I know. How about don't get on the bus? You know, just saying. Um, and the mom got out of the car and got on the bus and found Doris and said, "You know, I love you, sweetie. We're gonna miss you. If you miss us, call us." And of course, that never got to happen. I just can't get over the thought of what took place you know we we talked about the negligence of the counselors Mm -hmm. but in all honesty nobody would be concerned with the safety of these little girls because 
nobody would ever dream that they would need to be because nobody would do something like this. But they did. They did. It's just, it's truly awful. It's It's a truly awful case. And then it's awful all by itself. And then you add in this stuff. That is supported. I mean, this is not stuff to make it even scarier. Like, this was stuff that happened. I mean, you can choose whether you want to believe in Native American spirituality or not. I'm a believer, a knower, Mm -hmm. whatever you want to call it. I have witnessed it with my own two eyes. Uh, But regardless whether you believe or not, this stuff happened Mm -hmm. and is on record with the Oklahoma State Bureau (laughs) of Investigation. (laughs) I mean, what more do you want? We have, you know, Harvey Pratt here with his blessed bullets. An informant told one of the detectives that Hart was staying with a medicine man. The way that they explained it was basically that Hart being Native American and in the Native American community, the medicine man would have taken him in with no judgment or questions. You know, he would have taken him in. They're very protect your own so they actually confronted the medicine man's wife i believe you said you use the term illegal threats they they threatened her a little bit with you know some jail time and all that kind of stuff and she eventually gave them up she gave up the medicine man and gene hart and uh told them where the cabin was and actually went with harvey pratt in a van to the location to scout it out told them that's where it is, blah, blah, blah. So they made the raid. They walk up. I mean, we mentioned all this on part one. They walk up. Gene sticks his head out the door. He's bent over. And they said, you know, you need to come out, all of that. Medicine man tried to escape. And they said, do you want to die today? He put his hands up. Okay. So they get Gene on the ground. And what Harvey does is he walks up and he kind of looked around, he said, to make sure, see what his other fellow mm-hmm. agents were doing. And uh, Gene was laid out uh, face down on the ground with his bare feet face up. And Harvey went over and touched his bullets to Gene's foot to take his medicine back. And then that's how it ended with um, that piece of the medicine man issue. Gene goes to trial. They, they had said that, you know, they still had this kind of medicine man thing hanging over their head. They were still worried that there were bad medicine men out there working their bad mojo on the trial or whatever. So what happened was there were four medicine men in the courthouse at one time. And one of them, who is mentioned in the documentary, he comes on the documentary, but they have like a shadow over his face and they change his voice and all that. Yeah. And he went and did a ritual on the courthouse itself and put this medicine, we'll say, on the four corners of the courthouse to basically assure that whoever was guilty of this crime will face a higher power and be judged with either life or death, depending on whether he committed this awful crime or not. Yeah. So the fate would not be decided in that courtroom. Yeah. And it was not. He was acquitted. But a few months later, died of a heart attack in the prison yard. So you decide. At age, I think it was 35. Mm-hmm. 
uh, athletic, no pre-existing heart conditions. Yeah. Dropped over dead, massive heart attack. Mm-hmm. On June 4th. And he had raped and sodomized the pregnant women in mm-hmm. June. He had killed those Girl Scouts in June. And he died in June. And on the 4th, the number four once again having again the significance. significance. Yes, of the number four. The medicine man that you're talking about in the documentary went by the name Crying Wolf. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. an alias that he used. Yeah. In the interview, uh, he was interviewed by Wilkerson, mm-hmm. who did the documentary. And during his interview, he uh, tries to catch Crying Wolf off guard with some questions about shapeshifters. And he says, by the way, Crying Wolf, do you know what a Stegini is? Crying Wolf says, no. Well, let me tell you what I know about the Stegini. I have heard that it is a great medicine owl which sleeps under the cedar tree. I have also heard that Gene Hart has the ability to change himself into the Stegini. Personally, I believe this is ridiculous, but I would like to get your thoughts on it. Uh, a Stegini is a type of shapeshifter skinwalker, whatever you want to call it. Bruja. An owl person. Mm-hmm. Crying Wolf says, first of all, I will not discuss this Stegini with you because that is something of which you should not know. The belief in this transformation is quite prevalent. A great number of Cherokee people believe that a person can transform himself into another being, whether they want to hide under a leaf, go into a rock, or whether they literally want to become an owl or any other animal. Wilkerson asked, do you believe Gene Hart could do this? Crying Wolf responded, no, I don't believe he could. He may, however, use these legends to his own benefit. He is not the quality of person who could perform these deeds, but he could enhance his image by using the terms and knowledge of the old Cherokee ways so that he may give the appearance that he is performing these deeds. Opportunities to use these tricks would simply enhance his image. Wilkerson goes on, and asks, you're not going to talk to me about the Stegini, are you, Crying Wolf? Crying Wolf responds, no, I am not. Again, these are things you should not know about. You know, we had discussed, Harvey Pratt has been, if you look at his website, he has been part of some of the worst of the worst serial killer investigations, bombings, you know, just in murder investigations, all of that. That's not even, like, including the Bigfoot things. That is just humans. So I'm sure for him, the shapeshifter or skinwalker or whatever is just another monster. Yeah. (laughs) He deals with monsters day in and day out in his job. Uh, I also read a newspaper article. I can't remember what newspaper it was out of. But it was printed at the time uh, because the press did catch wind of medicine men being involved in this. Mm -hmm. And uh, one man in particular came to light and it was a medicine man a practicing medicine man uh that gene hart's mother had approached asking him for help in this case and she asked him if he thought her son was guilty and he said he didn't think that he was guilty that he thought three people were involved a white person with blonde hair and two native americans he was asked if he helped hart And he said the only help that he gave him was some money 
and a ride to where they eventually found him. Mm-hmm. They asked him if he thought a medicine man was helping Hart. And he said, well, I, I don't know why they would do that. Because if a medicine man was involved in this and the killing of those children, they would be facing like a horrible fate. Mm-hmm. Like there's no way whoever is involved in this would get away with it. I certainly wouldn't want to have anything to do with it. Mm-hmm. However, he did help Hart. Mm-hmm. And he was saying that he thought he was innocent. His father, the medicine man's father, was also a practicing medicine man. And he talked about his father in the article knowing about dark magic, knowing about witchcraft and voodoo, and that his father had showed him these spells and stuff in witchcraft and voodoo that were written in the Cherokee language. But supposedly his father never used them and destroyed them. Because he knew they were evil. Well, why did he have them in the first place? Yeah. And it's just all really weird. And it's like pretty much whenever you read the newspaper article, it reads as everything someone would say if they were lying about what they were doing. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of what it made me think of was why even bring that up? It's like yeah. the lady doth protest too much. Right. Why would you even mention that? Oh, uh, we had a bunch of evil stuff, but we we totally destroyed it and threw it away. Like, we, we totally don't have it under the floorboard in the guest bedroom right now. Right. Did I kill him? No, but don't look in the closet. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to wrap your head around someone so dangerous and evil doing such a heinous thing. But then to add this paranormal or otherworldly layer to it you know it's just like it doesn't need that of course but this is what this is what it is it happened right so the stories that my uncle told me uh with his experiences uh with medicine men and stuff and then you have well my best friend his clan in the cherokee tribe is very high up Mm -hmm. and i know their medicine man who he is and his, my friend's aunt, both of his aunts actually practice medicine. Mm-hmm. Nothing major, but I have literally seen them heal him before. Mm-hmm. I've heard stories of his family healing other people. And then my own personal experiences with a medicine man and the things I witnessed at uh, another friend of ours funeral mm-hmm. uh, with his tribe. I'm going to be honest. It makes me nervous just talking about this stuff. Yeah. Even here in Tulsa, in the safety of my own home on, <laughs> yeah. on Planet Fear, mm-hmm. it, it makes me a little nervous. I mean, this stuff, you know, it's it's something not to make a mockery of. Don't make fun of it. Right. If you don't believe it, just keep your mouth shut. And if you do believe it, keep your mouth shut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it adds another layer of terrifying to this already terrifying story you know and and something that crying wolf mentioned or one of the things that i admired when he spoke he did not just say medicine man he said medicine person very very true (laughs) they can be both they can be both. and so throughout this whole thing i've said medicine man but that's how harvey pratt had stated it but crying wolf said medicine person and there was a theory that one of the perpetrators of the crime's might have been a woman might have been which is somehow more horrific than if it was just men because you just you know you always have to think that 
there's something to that motherly intuition within a a woman regardless of whether she has children or not it's still there yeah you know i mean if you've been anywhere where there's a group of women Mm -hmm. and one of them has an infant that starts crying yeah you often see other women go and fix the problem Mm -hmm. you know or they all look over there and they start looking at i mean it's that mentality that's we're nurturers yeah it's just you know you're supposed to be a nurturer as a woman whether you like kids whether you have kids it is ingrained in you to be a nurturer like you know i know plenty of women who don't have children but I do notice that most of them have pets mm-hmm. and they have to have something to take care of right. and love and nurture. And for me, women who commit murder on children or human human trafficking, they use a lot of women to lure children or other women. That is just you can't get any lower to me. You know, it's it, it sounds very sexist, but you, you almost expect men to do the heinous things they do to women whatever you know like in a human trafficking type situation yeah I mean. you do you do it's but a very much a, a predator sort yes, of situation yeah. and you typically associate men with being the predators right but when you throw a woman in there it just makes it 10 times worse it's like you are the lowest of the low if you will hurt another woman or child when you should be protecting them from the men who want to hurt us. Um, So if, in fact, there was a woman involved in this, that just makes it so much worse. Yeah. This uh, story, just everything about it happening here in Oklahoma, Mm -hmm. the way it started, the way that it ended, and then there being two sides, two different stories to tell, Mm -hmm. it's just always fascinated me and scared me at the same time. I'll tell you, it makes me nervous because I do go camping with my children out in the woods. And I think about Bigfoot being around my camp. I think about big cats being around my camp, hogs, you know. But the thing that will make me have my gun right there and pull my children closer to me is the thought of a human circling my camp or creeping up on my camp or anything like that. That scares me worse than any other thing. When it comes to that situation, I'm a shoot first, ask questions later type of girl. I will not let me or my children be attacked. But when you think about the situation at the Girl Scout camp with this part two of the Girl Scout murders on Planet Fear, that adds a whole new level of (laughs) I'm not getting any sleep this camping trip (laughs) to that. You know, when something can creep up and just disappear into the night. That's utterly terrifying. And had he not been ratted out mm-hmm. his location, he would have kept or and another interesting angle to this is part of the medicine that Harvey Pratt was using was to keep them invisible mm-hmm. from heart. Yeah. So he wouldn't know mm-hmm. when because I was thinking about that earlier whenever you're talking about. You know, him staying with a medicine man and he's out in this shack in the middle of the woods and mm-hmm. they went and scouted it ahead of time. Like, yeah, 
if I thought for a second that there was some shack out in the woods with a medicine man living in it, I wouldn't get anywhere near it. Right. There's no way. There's some spiritual booby traps yeah, somewhere. There, there's no chance. You're not coming back. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's just mind-boggling. And then, you know, there's the... there. This was briefly mentioned, not in that documentary. It's been briefly mentioned elsewhere. The Bigfoot aspect. Yes. Now... We've discussed it, and clearly we don't think Bigfoot had anything to do with the murders <laughs> no. because Bigfoot do not wear shoes, as far as I know, or prescription glasses. But the guttural noises that the counselors were hearing. There was a lot of activity discussed based on the testimony given mm-hmm. by people that were there that rings a bell with us mm-hmm. in the Bigfoot world. You know, like you're saying, the guttural sounds, the we see someone we think is a man out in the woods. Mm -hmm. We hear somebody walking around that sounds like a person Mm -hmm. brushing up against the screen. Yeah, there Uh, was there were quite a few things that they said that my little Bigfoot ears perked up. I'm like, wait, 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 what was that? You know, but 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 the idea that it was some evil medicine man skinwalker out there instead, I'd rather have the Bigfoot. I know it doesn't make me feel better. But it's it's weird. I never thought in my entire life or career as a Bigfoot researcher that I would ever say the words, the the shapeshifter sounds more plausible than a Bigfoot. Never would I have thought I would have said those words, but there it is. That sounds more plausible than a Bigfoot because of the harm that was done to the human girls. Also, to support Gene Hart uh, doing it, whenever he was attacking the pregnant women of his past crimes she said the noises he made when they were the guttural like they didn't make any sense it was nonsense and just this weird and she said it's like he wasn't even there she said he was just Mm -hmm. having like a fit so but that could be all part of it as well to an owl right if you're you're a shapeshifter yeah, uh, you know. I've seen a lot of werewolf the, the, movies. It does not go well. The over original, easy. the original shapeshifters. Should I? <laughs> Why do you know? <laughs> were this? the Viking berserkers <laughs> who wore animal pelts and claws and everything, and would go into battle and psych themselves up to the point where they believed that they were animals, mm-hmm. and that's how they fought in battles, and that's why they were so devastating because they literally thought they were animals. They th- they had mentally shifted if not physical, mentally, and uh, would go into these fits of animalistic rage and just devastate their enemies. And, you know, psychologically, maybe Hart had to go to a different place to be able to do this sort of thing. And the ritual at the cave before this happened, I mean, I could see that. And the way, the, the viciousness of these crimes, it was animalistic. There was blood spatter so much blood spatter on in that tent and on the floor that he had to try to wipe it up with mattress covers and sheets and stuff. That's a lot of blood. That is a lot of damage to a person's body. Not to mention the Denise. Her face was so badly beaten that the imprint of the weapon was imprinted in her skull. Not her skin. Her skull. I mean, we talked about that with the Night Stalker whenever he stomped on that lady's head, leaving the imprint of his shoe. Uh, The type of rage that you had to have. Mm -hmm. 
it, it just once again it's that whole disconnection of where i just can't understand the mind of somebody that can do something like that it, it would never be okay in any situation but just the idea of you're doing this to a small child a little right. girl yeah how it's not an adult it's not you know yeah it makes me feel kind of better that my brain can't make sense of that because that means I clearly, you know, I'm not <laughs> on their level. <laughs> that gives me some sort of comfort that I don't understand the motivation behind this particular murder. And it makes me feel a lot safer. Well, I'm glad. <laughs> I'm really glad you've expressed your concern about my thoughts before or whatever. You did bring a stun gun with you. It's for self-defense. Okay, after the Night Stalker episode, I literally checked my back seat 35 times on the way home and then was still not convinced because I was convinced someone was in my trunk and they were going to come through the seats and get me. And then I got out of my car and I was walking to my front porch. I was jumpy, more jumpy than a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs, okay? I was scared. And then this episode... And, and you're giving me flack about my stun gun? I'm just saying, whenever you're dealing with shapeshifters and skinwalkers and steganis, a stun gun's not going to do you any good. You don't know. But actually it will, because I've watched a lot of Supernatural and it'll disrupt <laughs> okay. their energies. You're right. I'm sure you got runes carved on it and the whole nine. Yeah, for sure. So you have this person who is not just a murderer and a rapist. He is animalistic with his rage. He might also be a shapeshifter or a wannabe shapeshifter. So as promised, shit got weird on Planet Fear. On Planet Fear. Be sure to check out our website, planetfearpodcast.com, for links to our social media, contact information, and our latest episodes. As always, we thank you for listening. Stay safe, and we'll catch you next time.